It's good to be able to be in the house of God and be able to share the word. Um, I was encouraged by the Sunday school class today. Uh, Pastor Jeremy asked a question. When you think of Christianity, what do you think of? What Bible verse do you think of? I didn't chime in, but somebody else did. They said something like, I've never heard that scripture before. What was it, John 3.16? That's a football game, isn't it, or something? something? (laughs) Never mind. But yeah, there's lots of good, lots of good verses. So hopefully we will stir one another up to love and the good deeds today uh, as we go through the scriptures and learn what it is to love the brethren, or at least to learn from scripture, this particular passage, what it is to take on that command from God to love one another. I know uh, Brother Jeremy likes to give you outlines. I'll give you one. Listen, sit down, shut up. No, no, that's not the, that's not it. So basically, um, basically, I have uh, two large points with a bunch of subpoints. Number one, love one another, and save yourself some room because I'm going to give you some positive examples and some negative examples. And you guys that write in microfish size print, you don't have to save any room, okay? And then I'll give you some proofs. So love one another. And under that, positive examples, negative examples, and proofs. And then the second point is confidence. Knowing is confidence and believing is confidence in anything we ask, as long as we ask in His name. All right, so you have a little bit of an outline to go by. Now I'm just going to teach, okay? I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Forget the outline. All right. When you look at the beginning of 1 John... There in that first chapter and in the uh, fourth verse, he says something. He says, we write this to make our joy complete. So it's almost as if John is writing so that you can know everything that you need to know to be joyful about knowing Jesus. Be joyful about being a Christian. Be joyful about... Being in the family of God. So that would be his purpose. We write this to make our joy complete. When you look at James 1.4, he says something a little bit different. He says these things, you know, he would want us to have so that you might be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Whatever it is, God doesn't want his children in line banking. God wants instead for his children to be in that line helping and handing out and giving to others, showing them love and encouraging them, giving to them, taking as his example, he gave to us, we ought also to give to one another. He first loved us, we ought then also to what? Love one another. All right. So now our first point, love one another. You know, we have the privilege because of this uh, passage being so small to read it in its entirety. So if you will bear with me, I'd like to go ahead and read the word of God, beginning with First John chapter 3, verses 11 through the end. It says, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? 
because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we have loved the brothers. Anyone who does not, uh, not love remains in death, and anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. And this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. And this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. Dear friends, He says if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before Him and we receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands. And do what pleases Him. And this is His command. To believe in the name of His Son. Jesus Christ. And to love one another. As He commanded us. Those who obey His commands. Live in Him. And He in them. And this is how we know. That He lives in us. We know it. By the Spirit He gave us. Heavenly Father. It's our privilege to read your your word publicly. We have devoted ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word and we've shared the word publicly and orally and we pray, Lord, that as this word goes out that it would never go out empty and certainly, Lord, we know it will never return void. We pray that in the hearing and in the reading and the living and the seeing that as all these senses come together that your word will be that just just that much more real to us. May we practice it, even as we've heard it. May we do as you commanded us. May we be even as you are. But it can only be through your strength. Through all the gifts that you give to us. We pray for understanding this day. We pray that the scriptures might be clear to us. Teach us to observe them. Teach us to know what you would have us to understand. In your name today, we pray. Amen. So as Brother Jeremy's been going through this particular uh, passage of First John, he talked about Gnosticism. There's docetism, Gnosticism, there's other heresies that were prevalent in that first century and so many of these things needed to be refuted. And as you're going through, when I, I just could not help in just that short passage that I read how much the word know comes up. And this by this we know, and we know, and, and it's like it's almost like John is saying, In your face. Can you be like that? By the way, what happens when you get in somebody's face? They get a little upset. That's why you have verse 13. But you remember 
This, we know, does not come without many convincing proofs. Because you saw in the first chapter, it says what we have seen, what our eyes have beheld, and what our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And so all of these senses have come together. And he's saying, this is how we know that Jesus is real. Yes, he's God. Yes, he's spirit. But he's also man. And he showed us how as men, as people, how we could live and how we could be pleasing to him. His Father, through the Holy Spirit. So pick up on that little word, no. All right, I want to give you some positive examples. I said I would, right? Love one another. Maybe one of the positive examples. This is the message that we've heard from the beginning. Well, you think about what you have heard from the beginning. When you became a Christian, when you began to search the scriptures, when you began to listen to what God said, and just going back to what Jeremy said today, and then that person came off with John 3.16. What does John 3.16 tell us? That God so loved the world, right? That's not the mountaintops. That's not the valleys. That's you and me. God so loved the world. What did he do because of that great love? And that's the message of the cross. That's the message of Christ. That's the message and the crux of Christianity. Upon which all of our belief is held. What have you heard from the beginning? What have you heard? We go back to our study in the book of Genesis. You know, it's almost like you can stop right there. That very first verse. In the beginning, God. And what did he do? He created everything. He brought everything into a being. So God is a good God. God is a God of love. When you look at 1 John 4.19, I hope I don't steal too much of uh, Brother Jeremy's thunder, but we're not going to be looking at that for a while. We're going to be doing a a message together next Sunday on uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. So I think it's okay if we step ahead just a little bit. In 1 John 4.19, he says, We love because He first loved us. We love because He first loved us. That's how we know what, uh, what the love of God is. And if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has, uh, whom he has not seen. And He has given us this command, Whoever loves God must love his brother. So we have a positive example of God. And how do we know what love is? We know this by verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Wow, that is our God, a God of love. Look at the love of Christ. And by the way, keep your finger there, but go to the Gospel of John. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. The Gospel of of John... Chapter 13. Remember, we've been talking about the same writer. John chapter 13, beginning with verse 34, says, A new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you. What does Jesus do? He loves us. So we not only have Christ's love, we have God's love. A new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. So you must also love one another. By the way, there's also a proof there. I didn't put that under proofs, but there's a little proof there in the very next verse. By this this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. 
Now, if we skip over a couple of chapters, John 15 and verse 9, you see, as the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. Remain in my love. To remain, what does that mean to remain in my love? How do we remain in God's good graces? How do we do those things that are pleasing to God that would make Him smile? I got a little chuckle out of the little picture that your friend sent. Another friend. How the one little boy was feeling guilty as soon as his sin would show to him. We don't want to see that. We don't want to know that. We just want to be loving toward our God. Doing those things that are good and pleasing to Him. If you were to go on, you could see in verse 10. John 15.10 If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have... Just as I, just as I have obeyed the Father's command and remain in His love. So that's how we remain in His love. We follow after Him. We obey Him. We live for Him. I've told you this, that my joy may be made, uh, may be in you and your joy may be made complete. Wow, that kind of sounds like the first epistle of John, right? This is why I'm writing this. So that your joy may be made complete. So that you're doing those things that honor God, that show that you love God, that you're serious about God, that you obey God, that you want to follow Him. And then that love has meaning to it. That that love has roots to it. That love has leaves that bear forth fruit to it. That's the kind of love that we want to have with Him. My command, He says further on in verse 12, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. So under love one another, you've seen some of the positive examples, and that's God's love and Christ's love. One of the negative loves uh, Brother Jeremy already shared from Genesis 4. In that negative example, as we look here in our passage under consideration this morning, is found in verse 12. 1 John chapter 3, verse 12. We are told, by way of negative example, do not be like Cain. Well, what did you see in in, uh, Genesis 4? You saw how someone was jealous, how they became angry, and how that anger turned to such hatred that he was willing to even destroy not just the life that God had made his own image, but to destroy the life of one who had the same parents, to destroy the life of his own brother. He let it get that far. Wow. 
Those are some of the examples in Scripture. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one, and he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Another example, negative example. And it's by inference this morning, because we we saw from not only the gospel, but we saw from other scriptures, that if we hate our brother, that we're actually committing murder in our heart, right? Isn't that what we learn on the Sermon on the Mount? Isn't that what we saw in the Gospel of John that we've just read? And isn't that by way of inference what we see here in the epistle of 1 John? That anyone who hates his brother. So here you have these examples. Negative examples of what it is not to follow the love of God. Cain who killed his brother and any of us who say that I just can't stand that person. Man, I hate my brother sometimes. You know, my old lady drives me nuts. You know, whatever it is that we say. My boss is killing me. Man, I wish she was dead. You know, whatever you say. So what have we done? Those are negative examples. Anyone who hates his brother or hates his neighbor. Well, there's a little surprise in there. as We go through this particular passage. But we're told, as John is writing, he says in verse 13, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. And he's talking about the world hating you. Do not be surprised, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we've, you know, and then then there talks about some proof, but we're not supposed to be surprised when somebody says, you know, and wait a minute, we might think we're good, we might think we're lovely, we might think we're a good employee, good neighbor, good spouse, good friend, good, you know, sibling, whatever it happens to be, good child, and yet somebody may say they hate us. Why would they hate us? And by the way, you think, gosh, you know, I'm just trying to do everything right. I'm trying to honor the Lord. I'm trying to do, you know, what's pleasing to Him. I'm trying to put myself out of it. I just don't want to have any kind of ego. I want to get that all out of the way. I don't want to have pride. I don't want to do all this kind of stuff. And you're just honestly trying to do the right thing. And then John says, don't be surprised. If the world hates you. Wow. Don't be surprised. If the world hates you. Doesn't accept you. Doesn't like you. Have you ever. And, 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 and by the way. I had that kind of a hate I think. Just to, I, I didn't plan on sharing the story. But I just thought of it. And you know me. I just have to spew it out if I thought of it. Um, high school chip on my shoulder LA born and raised fast as lightning as far as running from the cops or or the other gangsters okay now I come to Glendora Glendora where is that okay now I have to finish off my senior year of high school starting from 
November 10th or 11th, whatever day that was, I got there. The guy calls me in and says, hey, this is what you're doing. This is the class you're going to, and so on and so forth. But I had a chip on my shoulder. I hated all of those socias in Glendora. Why? I think quietly, softly now, because they were probably better than I. They probably had two parents. They probably lived in a house, had their own bedroom. You know, all the things, nothing, none of the things that I had. But I had my speed. I know it doesn't look like it now. Fast as lightning, like I said. I've, I've overcome my past. You know, I don't want to be like that anymore. It intimidates people. But I also had my mouth. And you couldn't shut me up by beating me up because I'd already gone through all that, you know. You can't hurt me because I've been hurt too much. So I had my mouth, and so I just had this chip on my shoulder, and I told everybody off. And if they said anything, and they were bigger than I, then I ran. If they said anything, they were smaller than I, then I took care of business. And that's the way we dealt with life. That was a fellow who needed to be touched by God, and thank God he was. The summer after I graduated, and that's a miracle in itself, except that when I look back, all you have to do is go to school. You don't have to do anything. Certainly not homework. I wasn't too good about that. I, don't, I can't tell you how many assignments I did. Maybe one or two, I don't know. But not the brightest kid. Certainly not. Um, not bright at all. But by the end of that summer, God took... Another guy in placement who found, a, 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 what do you call these things? A bindingless book on top of a trash can and gave it to me because he knew I was interested in God. And that was my first Bible. And then I began to ride my bike to the Catholic Church. I was Catholic at that, that time. Every day, every day, because I wanted to earn points for God. And every day turned into the next day, and I did the same thing, and I felt the same way, and I wasn't quite getting it. But at one time, there was a fellow, and I shared this story before, and I'm not going to go too far there, but Larry Knight came and knocked on the door and says, Does anybody here want to go to Bible study? And I already told you that story, and I, I let you know that I went. And it was shortly after that that I began to know the God of this Bible. And it was shortly after that that I began to realize God so loved me that he was willing. And so my verse in answer to Brother Jeremy's question, I didn't chime in earlier during Sunday school. But my verse right there, you know, what verse do I think of when I think of Christ and what he did for me? is I think of Romans 5, 8, where it says, but God commendeth his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till we got better. He didn't wait till we got better. He just went to the cross for us then and there. When I told you about that kid who was going to high school, I was still dressed the same way, always sandal shorts and, a, you know, like a white beater. What do they call them, tank tops? Or whatever, you know, I mean, they call them tank tops then. I don't know what they call them now. Anyway, but that's how I dressed every day. 
just kind of, you know, didn't start growing a beard, went to a church, and the pastor said, hey, there's a lot of people over here, you know, they like you and everything, but, uh, you know, he gave me like $10 and some shaving cream, wanted me to clean up my act, you know, because I was going to an organized church, and they didn't do that. Oh, the things we do to people, right? I hope we don't lay on these kinds of trips on anybody else. You know? Don't do that. God doesn't do it. What did Romans 5, 8 say again? But God committed his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait till we put on our pants or put on our shoes or, you know, or dress nice or whatever. None of that. God loved us first. That's how we know what the love of God is. That's what God does for us. We're here looking at this passage. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. If you're one of those people that's goody two shoes, like, you know, I hated the, those socials of Glendora. By the way, I married one. She wouldn't have called herself a social, but it's funny, isn't it? The irony. <laughs> Who would think that this, you know, hate filled kid. Born in East L.A., raised in the barrio, running up and down the streets, could marry a girl like that. That's God. That's God. Great love. So don't be surprised when the world hates you. Look at John, the, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And I want you to look at John 15, verses 18. In following. The Gospel of John says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Now, who could hate Jesus? Who could hate Jesus? I mean, look how good he was. But you saw the hate of the Pharisees who were gnashing and wailing, and you know, they're they're doing all this stuff. They just wanted to push them over the cliff. And what did he do? He just walked right past them again. You know, oh, this guy drives me nuts. And you run across those kind of people too. But Jesus was not trying to get their goat just by, uh, you know, just, you know, sticking uh, uh, superfluous jabs to them. He was just being who he was, the good God that he is. Perfect, righteous, complete. Bringing honor to this heavenly father. Bringing honor to God and showing the world a picture of who God is. That kind of great love. But the people hated him so much they just wanted to destroy him. That's the kind of love that God does for us. So if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And if you belong to the world, it would, it would, it would love you as its own. And as it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words that I spoke to you? That no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. So if you, you obey my teaching, what are they going to do to you? So don't be surprised coming back right here to 1 John. Don't be surprised. Verse 13. My brothers, if the world hates you. Because the world hated Christ. We're not to be taken off guard. We're not to be, you know, to... To lose heart. We're not to be derailed or be downtrodden or wonder 
about this Christ. We're to take heart. We're to take courage. We belong to God, His family, His camp. Let me share with you some of the proofs that show that that we belong in the love of God. If you look at 1 John chapter 3, I hope you're keeping your places there so you can go back and forth real quick. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, says that we know, there's that no again, that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. There's a proof. If we're displaying love to our brothers, if we're showing love to others, then it's pretty much, you know, one of those givens. You'll know them by their fruit, so to speak. You'll know that they have the love of Christ in them. Because what are they doing? They're loving the brethren. They're loving others. And that's in First John. 3.14 what you see there is that love is almost equated with life. And then the opposite, or contrarywise, is also true. That hate is equated with death. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. And anyone who does not love remains in death. Do you see that there? Like, wow. You know, what does he do? You know, there's all these uh, contrasts in John. Light and darkness, love and, you know, hate and, you know, the love of the world or the love of God. And so all these contrasts continue to make their way through this particular epistle. And John is expert at that. And he tries to, you know, he tries to make these dichotomies real, real clear so you can you can see it. You know, there's the love of the world and there's the love of the brethren. There's love of God and then there's the love of self and so forth. So you see that in here. And when he's teaching that, he wants us to know what's truly uh, good knowledge. This uh, Gnostic idea, you know, that refuted the flesh and only said the spirit is good and that Jesus came and it's only like, like docetism teaches, only like you thought you saw Jesus in the flesh, but he really didn't make an imprint on the, on the ground when he walked along it. He really didn't make a shadow when he was walking. He was... Simply all spirit. And so you might have thought you saw a shadow. You might have thought you saw an imprint. You might have thought you felt his hand. But it only seemed like that. No, John says, you, our hands have handled. We have seen him. We've beheld him. You know, we've, we've done all these things. And so it's very, very real. Very real. In First John 3.16, when we get over there. He says, this is how we know what love is. Here's another proof. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Did he not? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Man. If you ever wanted a picture of love, that cross that we put up in many of our Christian churches, 
points to what Jesus Christ did for us. He willingly laid down his life for us. I want to take you over to, shoot, I had you in Rome there, uh, in John chapter 15 again. And looking at John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. And he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Wow. That's what Jesus does for us. John 15, 13. No greater love. And by the way, he says, greater, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And then what does he say? You are my friends if you do what I command you. Okay, cool. I'll be your friend too. You know, if you do what I command you, you know. That's not the kind of love that God has. He's not one of those friends. That, okay, if you do everything I want you to do, what are those called? Fair weather friends. But when Jesus says, if you do what I command you, since God, and by the way, you can quote me on this, God's got it out for our good. I've been saying that for a hundred years now. See, you're trying to do the math. I came from L.A., so that explains it. God's got it out for our good. He is a benevolent God. And when he gives a command, it's for our good. It really is. Father does know best in this circumstance. He really is a loving father. He really does care for us and wants our best. That's what God does for us. I want you to also look at 1 John three nineteen. It says here, Another one of the proofs that we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. You see, God places himself in our heart and he gives us assurance, etc. When you look at, you know, Philippians 4, 7, what does Philippians 4, 7 say? We'll turn him quickly there, if if I can. Philippians 4, 7 says this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is what God does for us. He gives us that assurance in Colossians 3.15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. In 1 John 4.4, greater love has no, uh, uh, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we can see that in, in the, you know, the next chapter there, 1 John 4.4. 4. Look at what Romans 8.31 says. If God be for us, who can be against us? So think about all those things that God does for us and how he shows us his love. We love because he first loved us. Wow. You know what? I'm looking at the clock here. I don't want to get scared too much. There's a little chorus. It is so old. It's going to be like new to everybody else, okay? Except for maybe a couple in here. It's so old that it's actually new. You know, when people uh, go to those clothing stores, what do they call them? They don't call them used clothes. What do they call them? Well, thrift, I know what you're saying. No, they're, uh, what do you call them? What is it? 
Well, antique, you're getting there. <laughs> Vin, thank you, vintage, thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> knew somebody would come up with it as we st- st- uh, brainstorm. I actually knew that word before I came, and then, gosh, you know, I get old timers, so I forget. But um, the little old chorus, and it comes from First John four seven and eight, and it says, "It's simply this, beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone." Who loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that knoweth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Do you think we could do that? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that knoweth uh, God, uh, or knoweth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Okay, here we go. Beloved, let us love one another, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that knoweth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. So what was the passage I was quoting? First John 4, 7 and 8. Let's sing it again. Beloved. Let us love one another, love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that knoweth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. All right, so you didn't know that you were coming to church to memorize scripture, but that's exactly what you just did. You got that down pat. All right. Okay. Preacher, won't you just stick to preaching? That's all right. I didn't rap for you, right? Okay. All right. In 1 John, those last passages, we said that the first Roman numeral, love one another. The second one is confidence. Begins in verse 21. Through the end, verse 24. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. We have confidence before God. Knowing God is confidence. Look at what we see in 1 John 5, 13. Okay. Kind of take a peek there. And while you're doing that, keep your finger there. I'm going to go to nearly the end of John. John chapter 20 and verse 31. Brother Jeremy's been trying to teach us a little bit about evangelism, how we share the the gospel and so forth. And by the way, if it's the four spiritual laws or if it's a Roman road or whatever, you know, EE or whatever it happens to be, anything that you might have memorized, it's all good. It's all good. It's all God's word, okay? As long as you are sharing the love of God, the forgiveness that he offers, his substitutionary death, what he did for us on the cross, that great love and the forgiveness that comes without any gifts or anything, he just offers us that if we'll accept it. We have forgiveness and we have eternal life in His name only because of what He's done for us. Only because of what Christ did on the cross 
and so forth. And so when you're sharing the gospel and you read a passage like this, John 20, verse 31, it says, but these are written, by the way, this whole gospel, the the gospel of John, John says by way of explanation, this is why it was written, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he wants you to believe. He wants you to receive him. He wants you to know who he is. This gospel writer uh, knew, followed, believed in, and lived for Jesus the Christ. And now in his epistles, in his later days, he wants people to have confidence. And so he says in 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe. In the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. He doesn't want us to doubt. He doesn't want us to wonder. He doesn't want us to be like uh, like yours truly was, that kid who was just trying to earn points for God type of thing, you know, when I was getting out of high school. But he wants you to know that you know the Lord. Know that you have eternal life. Know that you're going to heaven. And when you know something, that gives you confidence. Some of you, especially maybe kids on this side, are in class. You might have a communication class. I don't want to have to speak in public. Me either. I was a scared, shy kid myself. Maybe that's why I ran so much. Um, But the biggest thing that the teacher gave to me, by the way, you know when I took that uh, communication class or public speaking class, whatever they called it back then. You know when I took it? My last semester of my senior year. What, what was I doing? Putting it off as long as I could. You know, I was avoiding it and all that stuff. But he says, look, when you get up and you begin to speak about something, talk about what you know. What you know. And when you know that you know Christ, when you know that you have a love of God within you, when you know that you've been forgiven of your sins, then that's something that translates into a real person sharing with another person in need. You have what they need and you can share it with confidence. That gives you the ability to take what is in here and pass it on. It doesn't have to grow stagnant and stay here, you know, cobwebs and everything else that gather. You have the confidence to be able to share that good news. Believing is confidence. You see that in that passage as well. Well, we told you that in 1 John 4.13, it says that we know that we live in Him, and He in us, because He's given us His Spirit. Now, there's so many pas- there's so many messages and so many passages on His Spirit, how He doesn't give His Spirit in measure, how He places His Spirit within us, and so on and so forth. All these particular passages. When I share uh, the Gospel of John, chapter three, I'm just going to share one one verse because we're moving on. One verse. John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, that is. Chapter 3, verse 34. For the one whom God sent speaks the words of God, for God gives us the Spirit without limit. Not a little bit if, if you're a little good. Not a lot if you're a lot of good. Not just kind of the Spirit if you're kind of a Christian. 
you either are a Christian and you know the love of God or you've never received forgiveness for your sins and you don't have the Spirit. The Bible tells us very clearly if you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of His. You don't belong to Him. And sometimes we're trying to share these spiritual truths and we get up there and we're sharing the meat of the gospel with people and they just don't understand. It's just not clicking. It's just not sinking in. Well, how could you expect them to know? The things of the Spirit are spiritually appraised. or You cannot understand them unless you too have been born again of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God who gives us understanding in these things. It's the Holy Spirit of God that attests that we are the children of God and lets us know that we can cry to our Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving to me the life that I have, that I know with confidence and assurance that you love me, you forgave me, and you'll give me life eternal in your kingdom. Praise the Lord. And when I have that kind of confidence, I can translate that into evangelism. I can take what I know and share that with somebody else who will be able to teach others also. And the cycle goes on. The love of God, when it says right here, the love of the brethren, God's love was never meant to remain with us. It was meant to share with the brothers. And by the way, once they become brothers, what do we do? We teach them to share the love of God with others, etc. God's family was never meant to die. It was only meant to continue to live and to grow. When he first saw Adam and Eve, what did he say? You know, you guys just hang out here and, you know, till I decide to do something different. No, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Many of you know I'm a Grandpa, eight times over, waiting for number nine. Looking forward to that family growing and them having their own family. And I can only, in so small a measure, imagine what God, our Father, is thinking as all of us are His children. And those children have other children, etc. And more kids come to His kingdom. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God wants... His family and His boundaries enlarged. Enlarge your boundary this week. Enlarge your camp. And extend your love to others. Yeah, it could be that nasty roommate. could be the guy down the hall. could be the guy that kept us awake last night behind our house with his partying. Uh, could be the, you know, the local dog in the neighborhood. It could be anything. But extend your love. All right? Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's been our privilege to have just gotten into your word just a little bit today. Shared a few verses. And we know that your love shines through all of them. We pray moreover that we might continue to study so that we'll know even more of your great love for us. Help us to be open for you to show your love to us today. And may we also be open to show the love that you gave us to others as well. In your name we pray.